And now, The Federal Drive with Tom Tammen on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network, underwritten by Impress Technology Solutions and Dell EMC. Thanks for joining us on this Thursday, May 2nd, 2019. Six minutes past the hour. I'm Jared Serbu, filling in for Tom Temin. Our producers are Lauren Larson and Eric White. Our digital editors are Amelia Brust and David Thornton. Coming up on this hour of the Federal Drive, DOD wants industry's help to innovate with 5G technologies. Also, we'll discuss the VA's role in cutting-edge research into hearing loss. Those stories and much more ahead during this hour of the Federal Drive. First up, though, it's time for Congress to start working on the 2020 Defense Authorization Bill, but one annual topic seems to be lying dormant this year. Base Realignment and Closure, or BRAC, is a way for Congress to close excess military bases, and the initiative has had some trouble getting off the ground since the last round in 2005, despite previous calls from the Defense Department to cut bases. Federal News Network Scott Massioni talked with Chris Preble, Vice President for Defense and Foreign Policy Studies at the Cato Institute, about the potential for BRAC in the upcoming year. Unfortunately, even though I think anyone who looks at the the actual needs of the military, uh, not merely as they are now, but what they're likely to be in the future, I, I think there's very few people who dispute that we have you know excess capacity. In other words, you know more bases than we need relative to the number of people and and whatnot. Uh, but that the politics have shifted a little bit. Um, there was some openness to BRAC um, on the Senate side. Um, when Senator McCain was uh, chairman of the Senate Armed Services Committee, but now that's changed, and I think there's less appetite in the Senate. There's more appetite on the House side, where um, Chairman Smith has always been an advocate for BRAC, and now in you know in the chair, I think he would be more inclined to push forward on it. Uh, but I think there's a sense that there's not uh, the appetite on the on the Senate side. And meanwhile, the Trump administration appears to have just sort of dropped the issue completely. They, uh, the first request, did mention uh, the need for a BRAC, but subsequent uh, uh, requests haven't included that uh, even in the in the discussion. So, the national defense strategy has come out since the last time they talked about BRAC. How has that sort mm-hmm. of changed the way the Defense Department might look at its bases, the ones that are excess, and also the ones that may be? Um, in certain areas that they thought about closing but might not close? It's hard to look at the national defense strategy and sort of draw a clear connection to uh, individual bases or or, or whatnot. The capabilities, uh, it's a little bit more clear. We are not talking about a substantial increase in uh, the ground forces are not taught. We're not expecting that the Army and the Marine Corps will become considerably larger, and therefore uh, the bases that were mostly, uh, you know, mostly Army and Marine Corps bases, those per- you could argue, uh, there's not a compelling rationale from the national de- defense strategy to uh, to hold on to excess capacity there. Um, in the case of the Navy and the Air Force, uh, I think there's already been some consolidation and and. Again, reading the, the national defense strategy, there's not a, a lot of um, uh, there wouldn't be a lot of energy coming from the national defense strategy to significantly reduce Navy and Air Force bases. With one critical exception, which is that we know that the budget for the national defense strategy, even the the advocates for it, and and the national defense strategy commission that reviewed the independent body that reviewed it, admitted that even the the 
considerable increases that the Trump administration has requested for the defense budget aren't sufficient to to resource the strategy. Uh, so the the bottom line is that we are uh, so long as we are misallocating resources to bases that aren't needed, uh, then you could argue that those are resources that are not therefore being de- uh, directed where uh, the the strategy itself says they're they're most required. But if you accept the arguments within the national defense strategy, I I don't think you could look at it and say uh, that it makes a case for maintaining excess capacity uh, and unnecessary bases uh, on the belief that the force structure is going to grow substantially. Right. Now, what about bases that are outside the continental United States? They have a different jurisdiction from Congress. Is the Defense Department more likely to maybe change those or are lawmakers more likely to uh, draw those down at all? It is true that the BRAC is completely separate. The BRAC is only for domestic bases because the political uh, sort of will to close overseas bases does not run into the same sort of opposition you have in Congress. And so traditionally, the, the, the executive has had much more authority, and even the Pentagon itself has had much more authority to close overseas bases that they uh, think are not necessary. Uh, I think the argument for maintaining over 800 bases around the world is not a very strong one, that a lot of the things that we do uh, from a forward presence could just as easily be done uh, from bases closer to the United States or even in the United States. Uh, but again, I don't see any any strong desire on the part of the Pentagon to substantially reduce its overseas footprint. And have there been any new studies or any new numbers out since uh, the last ones that were, I think, saying there was about 122% capacity? Or are we still kind of sticking with numbers that are a, a couple years old at this point? The numbers, the most recent numbers that I've seen would put it in the uh, between 18 to 20 percent excess capacity. Uh, I haven't seen anything more uh, firm than that. Gotcha. And and there's no ex- excitement within Congress, I'm sure, to do any more studies on this, too, probably, right? Well, I think I think as a body, you're probably correct. I think, again, there are individual members who, recognizing that this is a substantial misallocation of resources, are looking for different ways to sort of, you know, put information on the table that would build build the case uh, for for another background. Uh, but so far, I haven't uh, I haven't seen those make a lot of progress. Now, you've done some research in the past about the, the parochial interests in the terms of the towns themselves. I mean, some of these bases can be real boons for towns when they recapitalize right. them into other areas. Uh, have you seen any interest right. from from the the smaller local interests to take over bases or to keep the bases in in their their communities? Well, I think it's it's very much on a case by case basis. There are certainly. Uh, instances where a local community sees um, uh, real estate or assets that they believe they could make uh, more efficient use of and there is you know there are always some creative ways that they can try to to uh, you know dual use and and, and whatnot uh, there's also a possibility of something called uh, like a voluntary BRAC where a community can request the ability to have a local base closed or repurposed uh, but even there there's not been a lot of movement the bottom line is this I mean the research that I've done over the years is that most places uh, do recover after a base is closed. In fact, we shouldn't even talk about bases being closed. More accurately, bases are opened. They're opened to a multitude of activities, not just directed to the military. And ultimately, that means you build 
a more resilient economic base that's not dependent upon a, uh, a single uh, a single source. Uh, and the cases are many; they're around the country. Uh, and uh, and I think if we had more uh, desire on the part of members of Congress to actually look on on a case by case basis at some of the true BRAC success stories, of which there are many, uh, then I I would think there would be less sort of reflexive uh, uh, reluctance, resistance to BRAC, but so far that hasn't really happened. And could you give us one of those success stories just as an example? Sure. Uh, I think one of my personal favorites, I do have a personal connection of sorts, is, is the Philadelphia Navy Shipyard. I was in graduate school in Philadelphia when the uh, shipyard closed in the mid-1990s. Uh, the, the mood was pretty grim in the city. Uh, I don't think anybody who goes to the Navy Yard today uh, at the south end of Broad Street, right along the uh, the Delaware River, I don't know that anybody could go there and, and declare it a failure. Uh, on the contrary, there are now more people working in the Navy Yard than, than were working there when the base uh, closed. And, and I think the energy uh, that is just sort of emanating from that property into the rest of the city is just really, it's really exciting. And I, I'd encourage anybody who hasn't been to Philadelphia, and especially down to that part of Philadelphia anytime recently, should check it out. That's Chris Preble, Vice President for Defense and Foreign Policy Studies at the Cato Institute, talking with Federal News Network's Scott Massioni. Still to come on Federal News Radio, we'll discuss the VA's role in cutting-edge research into hearing loss. That's next on The Federal Drive with Tom Temin on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Jared Serbu, filling in for Tom. <coughs> Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. It's in our nature. 